Uh, this thought's going to be called Pass It On. And we've been looking at the kind of how we build relationships. And we talked here at the beginning of the month about how grace has got to be our default setting. Okay? And sometimes we've got to be restored to default. I don't have my phone on me, but you know sometimes when your phone acts up and you can't do things on it and locks up on you, they'll tell you you just need to restore it back to its default settings. Then it will work properly. It gets rid of some of the stuff that's not necessary. And so in my life, grace is my default setting. And sometimes I've just got to be reset. Sometimes I don't want to show grace, right? Sometimes I feel justified in withholding grace. And yet, uh, even this morning, I was just reminded that grace is always undeserved. So when somebody doesn't deserve it, they've been mean to you or your family. They've lied to you. They've spoke ill of you. They have fired you. Uh, they have whatever you, right? You'd say they don't deserve it, and therefore we do what? We give it, right? Because grace is always undeserved, and it's always undeserved in my life, and I need it every day. I was reminded this week that from the fullness of the Son of God comes grace upon grace. That is day after day. There's a lavish, lingering grace that covers me, that carries me. And we've sung about that here a little bit this morning. So our default setting needs to be grace. Last week we talked about if we're going to build relationships, not only in ourselves but in our families, then we've got to do that with the Word of God as a priority. Uh, so it's got to be an intentional move on our part to say this is what's important, this is what matters, and we're going to hang on to it. We're going to trust it. We're going to invest in it. So we talked about... Like the Bible says, you know, put it on your forehead or write it on something. Or, so it's on our arms or maybe on our jewelry or maybe it's on our bathroom mirror. Or maybe it's hanging from your rearview mirror in your car. But somewhere you've got a reminder of the Word of God, right? Something that may be currently speaking to you. And so we talked about if we're going to build relationships well from a biblical perspective, there has to be a godly priority. And then today we're going to talk about passing it on. And really this has to deal with discipleship. And our theme for this week from our curriculum is adoptive discipleship. And so what we're doing today is actually going a little bit broader. Last week we talked about children and grandchildren. Today we're talking about everybody. Right? So when Jesus commissioned his disciples to go make disciples, he didn't send them just to their families. He sent them all over the world. And so you are uniquely positioned. There are Christians all over this city this morning that are not in this room. There are Christians all over this county this morning that we don't know at all. But there are Christians in this room and growing Christians in this room that God has connected us with. And it's our job to work to disciple and train one another, teach one another, encourage one another, build one another. Uh, and so discipleship is not all about evangelism. It absolutely includes that. But it's also about the moment beyond conversion. Right? Conversion is like that. It's from death to life. It's from darkness to light. It's just an immediate transition. Discipleship is this lifelong process pursuing Christ and helping others do the same. So when we say here our little tagline, connecting, growing, serving together, I'm connecting, but I'm also wanting to encourage you to connect and help you in that. I'm growing, and I also want to help you to grow. I'm trying to serve, and I want to encourage you to serve as well. Right? And that's the role that we play not only in our families, but in our church family and with all people, all right, constantly pressing or pushing people to things that are true. So we're going to talk today about passing it on. Passing it on. And to do that, uh, 
Do you remember the little game that we used to play when you were a child? We're not going to do it this morning. But that little game called Telephone. Did you guys ever play the telephone game? I don't mean... So the way it worked was this, right? You'd kind of get in a circle or a line. And so I might whisper something in Jamie's ear. And then he would whisper it to Miss Janice. And then she would whisper it to Mr. And it'd go all the way around until it got all the way over here to Miss Brooke and Miss Destiny. And then I would ask them... All right, what did you hear? Okay, and what we try to do is see if what they heard was the same thing we started with telling here. Okay, now usually you had a bunch of goofballs who were in the middle of that somewhere who would really just mess it all up. You know, so I could say I love Jesus to Jamie and by the time it gets over here it's like, you know, I love cheeseburgers or something. Just being silly. But if we want to pass on something, if our goal is to start here with what's true and to end there with what's true, Everybody in between has to listen very well. They have to pay attention. We have to make sure that we're receiving what's true because what we're going to pass on is important. We want those at the end of the line to be hearing what's true just like those who are at the front of the line. Right? So we're going to pay attention or we're going to listen very closely so that a word is not mispronounced or so that we don't leave out a word because we believe what we're passing on has value. Now, God in a way, kind of came up with the telephone game. Okay, he didn't call it that, but he has always intended that for those who knew him, that they in turn would pass on what they knew of him to other people, and that what they passed on was true. So that when generations were standing here today like you and I, by the way, we're in the Old Testament, I don't know if you know that or not, but teach this to future generations includes the people who are sitting in this room today. Those people wanted what was passed down, those ancient words that are ever true, to be just as true and right in this setting as it was many, many, many years ago. And so they've worked very carefully to preserve what's true as God has as well. Uh, and here today we want to do the same, working to pass on what's been invested in us. So Judges chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And we're going to read about seven or eight verses here, verses 6 through 13, as we consider this thought of passing it on. But just prior to verse 6, what you've got, the angel of the Lord shows up to the nation of Israel and says, I promised that I would be your God and I was going to take care of you and lead you into this promised land. And it's a land that's wonderful. And you promised to follow, but you've not held up your end of the deal. And there's consequences coming. In verse 5, you've got these people repenting. The Israelites repented and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they cried out to him. And verse 6 is where we'll pick up uh, the story of passing it on here this morning. So after that point, after they had offered the sacrifice, after the angel of the Lord told them that they were going to be facing hardship, Joshua dismissed the Israelites and they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. And these people, they served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Herez in the hill county of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals, or these false gods. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them, and they aroused the Lord's anger. 
uh, because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. And so here we've got the fullness of what the angel of the Lord pronounced in the first five verses coming to fruition. And we see this take place after Joshua and those elders had passed away. So a few things we want to highlight as it relates to this text of passing it on. And we're talking about passing on truth. We're talking about uh, adopting people to disciple. Okay? So there are people in this room who don't know your story, who need to know your story. And you might think, well, my story is not that valuable. Your story could be instrumental in helping build just the next layer or level of faith in that person. You say, well, I don't have some rags to riches story. Or I don't have somewhere I was in terrible sin and God brought me out. Your story is your story of faith. And it's extremely important. It's, it's very important to building not only my faith, but the faith of those that God has uniquely positioned you with. And so I want to encourage you to be willing. Take a chance and tell somebody your story. Right? As you look around this room, the, the number is not what's important. What's important is what is her story? What's his story? And do I know it? And do they know mine? And how is God working currently in my life? And do they know that about me? And how's God working currently in their life? And do I know that about them? And so all these things we'll touch on here this morning as we make our way through a few different thoughts. All right? So initially here, we pass it on. And we're going to pass it on by telling others what the Lord has done for us. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, you'll find though here, just prior to the Israelites entering the promised land, God performed a great miracle there. Do you remember the crossing of the Jordan River? And so they're on the east side of the river and they're going to go west and they're getting ready to cross this river, but the river is at flood stage. And so it's way out of its banks. And just like God did at the Red Sea, he's going to open this river. He's going to back it up so the nation can walk across. And so he tells his priests to start walking in the water. And as soon as they start putting their feet in the water, the water begins to recede. And it's dry ground. And the priests stand in the bottom of that river while all these people pass through. Uh, and then they are asked, the Lord tells Moses to... Uh, Tell people to make sure that they pick up, or tells Joshua to tell people to, uh, to, to pick up a rock. So they're going to have one leader from the 12 tribes grab a large rock. The Bible says they had to put it on their shoulder. So just think that's the kind of rock that they're carrying out of the bottom of this river. And he was going to use that to build an altar. So here's just some reminders of that out of Joshua chapter 4. And Joshua set up a Gilgal, the 12 stones that they had taken out of the Jordan River right when they had crossed. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Your children or grandchildren ever ask you, What's that mean? Why this and why that? And why do we do it this way? And what is that? They're curious. and They're going to want to know. So you see a pile of stones sitting here. They're going to see that as something that's out of place. Why are the stones there? You're going to tell them that Israel crossed that river on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. And the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. And he did this, and here's why. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Do you see how far this knowledge is spreading? This wasn't just for a nation who was crossing a river. 
This was for the whole world to know that God is powerful. And for those who know him as God, to fear him, to trust him as the Lord your God. And so we're to pass this on by remembering what the Lord has done for us. And this is what the nation of Israel was to do in setting up stones. Tell people what the Lord has done in your life. Uh, and we see this is part of the problem here in Judges chapter 2. They simply didn't pass it on, right? We're looking at it in Judges 2 from a negative context. And so let's read it. After that whole generation, so we're talking about Joshua and the elders who had seen the wonders of God, experienced the power of God. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what. They didn't know what he had done for Israel. How does that happen? And to me, this is one of the saddest texts in the Bible. You've got a generation who experienced generation one, and they say it still works this way today. You've got generation two who's kind of riding the coattails of faith at generation one, and they hear what God did for generation one, but they don't experience it as generation two. And when generation three comes around, right here, verse 10, they don't know the Lord. And they don't know what he has done because they didn't pass it on. It wasn't experienced. It wasn't real for them. It was many years ago, and we talk about these group of people. But it's just not real in my life today. And to me, that's really sad. And as I read that verse, I thought, man, that would be sad if that's our story here. That would be sad. Do you have a current story to pass on from the Lord? Has God done something in your life recently or lately that anchors you even more today? You know, one of the things that has really got all over me in my quiet time is over and over again, I've just finished Leviticus, I'm into the fifth chapter of Numbers over and over again, over 30 times just glancing through Leviticus and still yet in Numbers, you find the phrase, the Lord said to Moses. The Lord said to Moses. The Lord, I don't know how many times I've read that. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> the Lord spoke to Moses. You think he knew the Lord's voice? You know, just working with the Israelites, doing everything he's supposed to do, and then, he, oh, there's the Lord. I better pause and listen. I, mean, we, I read it like it's so nonchalant, like it just happens. But man, the Lord said to Moses, it's different now. We've got the Spirit living in all believers. The Lord spoke to Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord said to Aaron, And man, that challenged me. And so I started putting that in my own framework. What has the Lord said to Corey? What has the Lord said to you in your life? Now, I'm going to share some highlights here with you of things where I know God has spoke to me in my life. Uh, some of these you know about me. Some of these you may not know. Some of these you may have heard multiple times, but you're going to hear it again today, right? Because what are we doing? We're passing it on. Right? This is how it works. We just simply pass on the things that God has done, who he is, what he's done in my life, what he's done in your life. So here's some things let me pass on to you. I believe that, Noah, or I believe that uh, 
Uh, Moses knew the voice of the Lord. It reminds me of my grandma Penn when she went to like her 50th or 60th high school reunion. She went to this restaurant in Decatur called Schwartz. She walked in and she said, when I saw where we were supposed to be seated, she said, I about left because it was a table of old people. She's like, I'm not old. Those people look old. That can't be my group. So sure enough, she walks in and this was really like uh, out of character for my grandma to put herself in this kind of position. But nonetheless, she went to sit down and she said, I don't know any of these people. So she introduced herself. Well, then she started listening to them talk and she instantly knew who they were. How did she recognize them? By their voice. And so she started, oh yeah, that's who you are. And I, I know who you are. Do you know the voice of the Lord? Do you believe that God still speaks? And I don't mean just on pages that are preserved. Yes, he uses his word, but his spirit speaks and speaks to our minds, speaks to our hearts. It takes me sometimes a little bit to, to figure out, is this God's voice or is this Corey trying to trick or manipulate or scare or, or is this God? And usually with God's voice, it lingers. So here's just some highlights from my own life, and I won't take time to explain all these. But this is just the progression. So when I was about six, well, when I was six years old, I can remember sitting with my mom and dad around that, uh, remember what color the couch was? An orange couch, all right? And it was that kind of velvet, uh, we had the rocking chair that went with it. Family devotions, all right? And that's what we did. Dad got home from work at 3.30. We ate supper at 3.30. We had family devotions, and then we went outside and played basketball or whatever else we were going to play. And I remember one of those days, just my brothers went outside, and I didn't want to go outside. And I stayed on the couch, and I asked my mom and dad to talk to me a little bit more about Jesus and what it meant to be saved because I was feeling like I had sinned, and I felt accountable for that. And so they talked to me about that, and us three together turned around, and we knelt by that old rust orange couch, and we prayed right there. And I remember that moment. Right? That doesn't make me more or less saved than you if you don't remember a moment. I just remember that moment. That's my story. And to tell you anything different makes me a liar. I went to my mom and dad's bedroom and picked up that old phone that you had to dial. And it went, da 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 Remember those phones? da 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 I called grandma and grandpa. And my grandpa answers the phone. And I told him. And he just shouted on the other end. He said, that's wonderful, son. And, of course, Grandma's in the background crying. So I remember that, and that's where my journey of faith started. That's where I stepped from darkness to light, right, from death to life. That was a conversion, but that was just the beginning. Lots of things happened since then. And so here's a few. I can remember being baptized, uh, me and, like, three or four other girls in our church, and typically that was my story. And we had a lot of girls growing up and just very few boys in our church. Um, but I can remember being baptized by my grandpa there uh, in Decatur Church. I remember at Camp Hope where God met me. And one of the great blessings of my life to this day is that God has allowed me the privilege to go back year after year and invest in people who are just like I was. Some who have strayed from God, some who have never known the Lord, and just get to share what's true with them there. And to see people receive Christ or to recommit their life to the Lord or to deal with their sin or to take a step of faith is a great blessing. And I count it a very high privilege in my life to be able to serve there just because God marked me and met me so many times at Camp Hope. 
Uh, but specifically my senior year, you've heard the story of me and Sarah Malone in the corner Sunday night. And she says to me, Corey, do you think the way that you're living your life is honoring to God? And I was so mad at her because she got past my barrier. And nobody got past me. I was hard. I was tough. I didn't want to hear your God talk. I had my plans made. And, and God used her. You know, we always credit the person. It's actually God, isn't it? Uh, God used Sarah. You probably credit the person who led you to Christ as you know, probably doing more than they actually did uh, in that moment. But God got my heart there and he marked me there and spoke to me there and he forgave my sin there and he restored me there and he told me he had a purpose for me there and there was a lot of life change that took place right there within a matter of a few days that was lived out over the course of just the next couple weeks. And so my course of life shifted dramatically because God spoke to me. See, the Lord spoke to Corey when he was six and said, Son, you're a sinner, but I'm your Savior. And I'm not telling you this to condemn you. I'm telling you this to save you. And he's been walking with me all, all the way ever since, just like we sang this morning, all the way my Savior leads me, uh, even in times when I wasn't walking close with him. I could take you to a sidewalk in front of a, a place that used to be a dormitory, waiting on my parents to pick me up, to take me to Sylvan Park Church because it was Sunday and they were in town visiting where God was dealing with my heart about ministry. My track was sports medicine. I wanted to play professional basketball and I wasn't good enough so I wanted to be around athletes who were good enough and that's where I was training. I wanted to be a trainer to help people uh, who suffered injuries. I just wanted to be around that kind of game at that high level and God said, son, I've got different plans for you. Just random right? Standing on the sidewalk all by myself, waiting for a little black Camry to come up and pick me up and take me to church. And so that was a moment that marked me. Um, I've told you before, and you don't have to believe me or not, but again, if I don't tell you these things, it just makes me a liar. I can remember standing in this room, um, September of 1997. You guys remember that? Some of you don't, you weren't here. So this facility wasn't finished at that point. Um, the roof was up, the walls were on, this room had studs in it, but there was no, like, the electricity wasn't all the way in, there, were no, there was no drywall, nothing really functioning anywhere, and uh, I was traveling with a group singing, and so we were here for like a weekend service, it was, I believe, homecoming. So the stage was built, but it was all just wood, so we got up on that stage, the five of us guys, and my Uncle David, and we sang, It Is Well With My Soul, and we sang that together. And the acoustics in this room were just amazing at that point. It's like, oh, that was so good. And so we're walking out. So I'm walking out here, and there were no aisles at that point. Well, as I'm making my way out to our van to head over to the service that night, um, here again, I hear not an audible voice, but within me was, you'll pastor this church one day. Believe it or not, okay? But for me to tell you anything different makes me a liar. And so I went out in the van and told these guys that, and they just kind of laughed it off, and so did I, because the last thing on the planet I ever wanted to be was a, was a pastor. And that was six years. That was 1997, September. We moved here in June of 2003. Does the Lord still speak? Yeah, can you open your Bible and see where it says, and God told Corey to go to Peace Church? You don't see that in your Bible. But it's here, right? Because it's not just written in pages. His spirit lives. 
All right? So that's a moment that obviously has marked me. I could take you to a dining room, 1704 Enclave Circle, uh, where I had resolved, this was probably about uh, 2000. I'd resolved that God didn't have ministry in store for me. I just misheard on that sidewalk. So I was going to work a job, be a faithful church member, support the ministries of the church, love my family, support my community. And I was, that's the role that God had for my life. And during that time, call after call after call came in about ministry. And I just kept telling people, no, 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 no. I just, I don't think that's what God has in store for me. One night, come home from work, talk to a guy by the name of Tim Hall. Still to this day, I've never met Tim. But for 30 minutes, uh, he's from Kentucky. For 30 minutes, I sat there and listened to him just encourage me. Just wait on the Lord's timing. You know, I don't think that God's done with you. I don't, I don't believe that what you think God has in store for you is exactly his plan for you. You keep search, uh, searching the Lord. Wait on him. Uh, and so God used that to again open my heart. I could take you to a back pew of a church in Nashville, which wasn't too long after this, where I heard again um, the phrase reckless abandon. And I've shared that with you before. That phrase is loaded for me. That has power in my life because I heard that within me that it's time for you to follow me. That's a phrase from Oswald Chambers, but I heard it from God to me. It's time to follow me. And so it wasn't long after that, and we get a phone call from a church in West Plains, Missouri, and we take off to go check it out. We show up on a Friday, and riding in the car, my wife and I both say when we get there, this is a big negative, right? Let's get through the weekend so we can get in our car and go back to Nashville Monday. So lots of stuff they had planned that weekend, and uh, it was just consistently a, a no, a no, a no. And it wasn't from God, it was in our own head. No, 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 we're not doing this. Uh, well, by the time we're driving back home Monday, Monday morning, we left there about 10 o'clock, we were begging God in prayer as we're driving to send us to West Plains, Missouri. Right? What happens from a no to a go? It's the Spirit of God at work in a person's life that's drawing you to your next step. So I should have prefaced, prefaced this by telling you I'm nobody, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way, if God speaks to me this way, he'll speak to you. Maybe not in the exact same ways, but he's got plans for you that you would have never have thought. I was sharing some of this with my wife this morning, and she's just standing there in tears like, who would have ever thought this is how God would have directed our life? This is not what we had in mind. And yet all the way, our Savior has led us. I remember sitting in my study there in West Plains one night in October, here again, hearing within me, these youth are not yours. These youth are not yours. What's that mean? I don't know. And I didn't know what it meant at the time. But as I pursued that in prayer, what I realized was I felt like I was God to these youth. And if it wasn't for me being there, they wouldn't love him. They wouldn't live for him. And what I began to experience in my life was God leading us away. I remember a friend of mine, Barry Raper, calling me and saying, this was March of 2003, saying, hey, those students were fine before you got there. God was taking care of them then. They'll be fine when you leave. And I just needed to be humbled a little bit because I thought I was a little more important in their life than I actually was. But here again, God was leading me in a next step. 
So the story's the same. You know, we get in a moving van and make our way to Granite City, Illinois. And we're staying down here in Motel 6 on a Friday night. And Stephanie says to me, our truck is still loaded. We could be back in West Plains before anybody knows it. And uh, just as it should be, love the people there, love the youth there, and was terrified, right? Felt God leading this was next step, and oh, man, I don't know if we can do this, Lord. Uh, but nonetheless, um, felt the peace of God and uh, began to serve and work here. And you know the story from that point on. Yeah, I remember uh, Uncle David having a stroke, and I remember asking around for pastors if they would come interview. And I had some friends that I felt like I could work with. And so I wanted to bring them in. And uh, that's not what God had in store. So I was praying for God to send us a pastor. And, and he did, okay, in his way and not my way. Uh, it's definitely not the way that I would have planned things. But still yet, my heart has always tried to be obedient. Whatever you ask, I just want to follow. Not been perfect at it. But that's how my life has panned out. I was sitting right here on this side of the room all by myself. Uh, everybody else was on this side on a Sunday morning. Uncle Tom was here preaching out of Isaiah, and he preached the text that said, Here am I, send me. You didn't need to be here that Sunday uh, because I knew exactly what that meant. Uh, I knew that it was time for me to submit to the next step that God was asking for me to take. And so I did. And I've been trying to do that ever since as it relates to being a pastor. And lots of stuff there I could, I could share with you as well. Uh, but I can remember God opening a door for me to start teaching. And initially I thought, oh man, this is not necessarily maybe what I want to be doing or if it's something I'm equipped to do. But there grew a love of teaching and love of students. And so for many years in partnership with you here, just as an extension of the Peace Church ministry, God has allowed me to teach and invest and be invested in by many students and their families. All right? And so a few of them are here this morning that we've just had the opportunity to be a part of their lives and they've been a part of, of my life. And so it's been real special. But even in that, you know, I was sitting in a, um, a church auditorium in uh, August of 2015 listening to an administrator talk about everything that we've got coming up and how exciting this year is going to be. And what I hear in my spirit is, and this is your last year here. And so here again, I'm like, where is this coming from? I love what I'm doing. I believe it's healthy for me. I believe it's helpful for the ministry of the church. Constantly in the word, constantly presenting, teaching, talking. I felt that's really healthy. Um, but I get, began to pray that out. Why, what is that? You know, is that heartburn or is that the Holy Spirit? And felt confirmation that, yeah, this is the next step away. But I didn't know what it was a step towards. I honestly felt like it was just here. And 100% okay with that. Um, and then the next March, get a phone call and have a conversation. And one thing leads to another. And it was just a transition from one opportunity of teaching to another. And wasn't planned, wasn't expected, wasn't my desire or dream. It was just the next step that God opened up. And so tried to step through that door with wisdom, searching for peace, and felt like that was the right next step to to take. And you never know uh, maybe 100% um, 
You know, God ultimately will have that conversation with me. I'm just telling you, I'm trying to be obedient. And that when you try to be, God opens doors for you. He's not a God to try make your life miserable. There are next steps for you. And I'm sharing with you here in about 10 minutes things that have taken place in 36 years. So don't think, well, it just happens just like that every day. Uh, but as you walk with the Lord, he's faithful to lead you in that next step, whatever it is. Uh, he's been faithful to lead us here for about uh, 15 years. Is that right? 15 years, the beginning of June. Um, and in multiple ways as a result of that as well. You know, in the process of that transition to MCS, I have a parent come to me about halfway through the school year and say, I, I, I thank God that he has led you here because my son sits in your Bible class and this weekend he became a follower of Jesus Christ. And he said that was because of the conversation you guys had in class. Now here again, she tried to attribute that to me. And so you always forward that back. That's always God. But being used by God is an awesome thing. Right? Whether it's in your home or it's your place of work or if it's on a court with a group of players or on a field, uh, wherever it may be, being led and used by God is, uh, there, there's just nothing like it. Um, and I, just to be real vulnerable here, I guess, and I'm always transparent with you, there's really not anything you don't know about me, the good and the bad. Uh, but I've struggled with some of these things over the years. And here's what I've struggled with. If I was a better pastor, I wouldn't need to teach. And so there'd be a, more people here, and my ministry would just be here. And so if I could do things better, if I could speak better, if I could pray better, you know, if we could set things up better, then that would draw more people. I'm just feeding myself lies. Um, and so there's constantly this nagging voice in the back of my head telling me that there's, you got problems. Um, and so honestly, that's just something that I weigh out all the time. I pray about all the time. So this past September, took a trip to Haiti and spent some time with a guy named Pastor Jeff Day. And Pastor Jeff Day is pastor of a church. He's planted over 120 churches. He's also started a school that he teaches in. Uh, he's taught men how to construct. He's taught people agriculture. Uh, he started orphanages. He started a seminary. And I just got to looking at what this guy was doing. I was like, man, he's doing all kinds of things. Like his hands are all over the place. And so when I came back home and was debriefing, I've got a journal full of notes, maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 pages of notes. Just, have you ever had moments where it was with you and the Lord and it's like, I just can't stop writing. I just, it's just like it just flows and flows and flows. And so, man, just lots of good stuff there personally. Uh, so I took a break, went and got in the shower. And unfortunately, you know, God speaks to me in the shower. All right, that's where I felt peace uh, over baby Landry. Um, other things I've experienced there as well. But what I heard at that point was it's okay. It's okay. And I thought, man, what is okay? What does that even mean? It's okay. And so I went back through my journal. I was praying. I was reading through it. I'm like, God, I don't understand. Like maybe I've just misheard something here. Or I'm just trying to make something be that's not true. 
And as I started looking again at this pastor and how he had inspired me with how God was using him in multiple directions, man, that settled in over me like, your obedience to me is okay. You're trying to fit a mold that I didn't shape you for. You're trying to guilt yourself over opportunities that I've opened to you. And so what I heard in the it's okay, it's okay that you're teaching. And that, that's not a negative, that's not a drawback, that's not an insufficiency. That's the plan that I have for you. Why are you doubting the doors that I've opened? And since then, that's just come kind of a quietness within me. It's okay. And so what you've got to know about me, and I'm sure you know this already, but I, I will follow the Lord however he leads and whatever it looks like. And I've never tried to fit a mold. I've never had any pressure from you guys outwardly to be something different than who I am, who God's making me to be. But I've been my own worst enemy at some points. Right? So I know I've taken some time, taken some time here this morning to share some of these things with you. But I believe it's important to pass it on. And I want my children to know these things. And we've talked about some of these things at home before. But I want you to know these things about me. And I want to know these things about you as well. Like, has God spoken to you in these ways? Have you ever had a moment that marked you and you, you just knew this was God? I hope you have. And, and I hope that you'll have many more moments beyond, beyond this moment here today. All right? So... Um, you know, Jeremiah told us in Lamentations, he told us that the Lord's mercies are new how often? Every morning. Every morning there's new mercy. Every morning there's new potential. There's new power. There's new leading. There's new help and provision. There's a new promise that God is looking to display his power in in your life or my life. Every morning, his mercies are new every morning. His faithfulness is great. Never once has he been unfaithful. And so I just want to encourage you here initially, look for the new mercy every morning. What is it? We're pretty good at telling old stories, aren't we? You guys remember the good old days? Man, weren't they amazing? The good old days. The good old days of no air conditioning, no plumbing indoor, and washing your clothes down by the creek, no TV, telephone. Man, those were some good old days, weren't they? Now, we know this to be true. We tend to hang on to the good and let the bad go. The good old days weren't as good as we remember them to be. And let me tell you something as well. Today is not as bad as you think it is either. We live in a culture that continues to tell us that it's just spiraling down to hell in a handbasket. But the same God who was speaking to Moses in the middle of everything they were dealing with is the same God who's still at work today. And his plan is not stopped. It's not finished. He's still getting things done that he's planned to get done. It's always been a struggle. There's always been highs. There's always been lows. There's always been people to follow and always people you wish you didn't have to follow. We just want to be careful that we don't buy into the mentality of our culture that talks about how bad everything is when we've got a great God who's always reminding us of his goodness. 
So look for a fresh mercy. You know, take some time to do what I've done here. I, I hope your story doesn't start and end with, I was saved here. And you cannot remember a time where God answered a prayer, where God opened a door, where God provided you some peace, where God led you into something that you just didn't think you wanted to go into, only to bring you out on another side where you thought, oh, I never would have walked this way. And I told you last week I was sitting beside a pool uh, at a hotel and just reading Hebrews 11, and it said there that uh, Abram, through faith, gave his son Isaac to the Lord. And sometimes when we think about obedience to God, I think of it as a dream killer. Obedience sounds harsh, and it sounds like mandatory and obligation, and, and yet there was a greater joy in life beyond the obedience of laying his own son down to offer as a sacrifice, right? From that point, we get on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. If Abraham would have never walked through that step of faith, he would have never known that. If he had never been obedient in the hard thing, the path of obedience didn't lead to death of his dreams. It led to greater joy in life and a greater depth of knowing who God is. I just, I want to encourage you, and I hope, the only reason I even shared these things today was if he can speak to Corey, and he's still speaking, then he can speak to me. So God, share, share yourself with me. Speak to my heart. Lead me in the next step. Deal with my sin. Draw me to love you more. Teach me what it means to really be abandoned for you. And when he does, and as he does, pass it on. Psalm 145 tells us, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another, and they tell of your mighty acts. What are they doing? They're passing it on. One generation declares to the next, declares to the next, declares to the next. And this is our time to share with others not only what God has done, but what God has done in my life. Yes, talk about the creator God. And yes, talk about the sustainer God. And yes, talk about the substitution God. And yes, talk about the resurrected God. And talk about how all those things have worked in your life to build your faith. To help you know and understand who you are and who he is even better. Pass on what God's doing. Now these next two go real fast, so don't panic. Pass on by helping others connect with God. And so passing it on is not just about my grandparents telling me what God did in their life. It's about me experiencing that in my life. See, that second generation had heard about God leading the first generation through the Jordan River. They had heard about that first generation getting stones and setting them in a pile. But they hadn't built their own pile. All they had done was heard what God had done for others, but it hadn't been, you know the song we sing, it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. They hadn't experienced that in their own life. They just heard what he had done for others, and so it wasn't real or personalized to them. It wasn't experienced. So part of our job as we pass it on is helping other people connect with God themselves. So it's not just, well, God said this to my pastor and God did this in my pastor's life when he was this age and God did this in this person. What is God doing in your life? 
And so we work to encourage you to be in the, in, in the word of the Lord and to try to walk in step with the Spirit. And here again, we get this from a negative context. The whole generation had been gathered to their ancestor, Joshua and his elders. Then there was this generation that grew up and they did not know the Lord. So we talked about they hadn't heard what Israel had done. Pass on what God's done in your life, but they themselves didn't know the Lord. And so it's important that we teach and instruct and lead and partner with one another in knowing the Lord. So what's one of the questions we ask you here every Sunday? Have you had a good week? Have you had a bad week? Have you been in the Word of God? And we ask you that because we believe that it matters. It's personal. God's speaking to you, building you, drawing you, using you all for His glory. Why do we have Bible reading plans back there on the table? Is that another Christian to-do list? Christians read the Bible. I guess I should have a plan. So here's my plan and I've read it through for a year. No. It's so that the Word of God might be something that you look forward to every day. That you have a plan that you can follow where you meet and just soak in and linger with the Word of God and let Him speak to your heart there. And every week, we ask you, almost every week, if you don't have a Bible, we want to purchase one for you. Bibles aren't expensive, but the power they bring to a person's life is priceless. And we don't want you walking around riding somebody else's coattails. Sometimes we do that as churches, the good old days, and we had these kind of programs and these kind of ministries or these kind of songs or these kind of preachers, and it was good then, but we're, we're just not walking in the newness now. What's God doing today? He didn't just start something he's not going to finish. Cherish the history. and Pass that on. We were passing it on this morning. Part of what uh, we're doing in our Sunday school hour here is our Bible study is uh, going through the Peace Church history. And so we went through our denominational history and now we're going through the Peace Church history. And we're about halfway through here this morning walking through all these different pastors and building programs and people who were here and baptisms and uh, it's good to celebrate and remember what God has done but don't live there. Those days are gone. What's he doing now? How does he want to meet, use me now? What's he want to do through the church this day? And so we work to help others connect with God. He's not just the God of yesterday but he's the God of today and he's not just the God of my grandpa but he's my God and he's your God. So get to know him. Trust that he'll lead you. Listen for his voice. And then as he leads, do your part to be obedient. And then real, uh, real quick here, we're just going to warn others. Warn others of the natural inclination to drift. We sang about it this morning. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Why? Because I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. So, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Right? That's all purposed. It's intentional because that's the desire of our hearts. We know the natural inclination, even in the children of God, is to drift. It's to try to fill our God cup with something other than God. It's to look for something to try to satisfy us that cannot. And so knowing 
the inclination to drift. We've got to warn each other to stay close, walk close, be in the Word. Don't ride the coattails of your parents or of your pastor or of the person sitting in the pew beside you. He's your God. He's building your faith and he's doing that collectively with other people. But he's got the plan for you. As you go through the text there, here's just some of the things. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and they served the Baals. They forsook the Lord their God of their ancestors who brought them out. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. These are God's people. These are people who had experienced the Red Sea, at least their generations before them did. Experienced, experienced the, the Jordan River. These are people who could literally walk back and see the walls of Jericho laying on the ground. And they could have had a commemorative service there of, man, you remember what God did here? How awesome was that? And yet all they've done is they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know how he had worked in their uh, history. And so they forsook him. They traded in the eternal great God that Psalm 45 told us to, to declare for all these temporary things that could not offer anything like the Lord God. So it's important to know him. It's important that we work to understand and know the voice of the Lord. Because he's still speaking. He's still leading. And so I want to encourage you today to seek him with all your heart. Wait on him. Share with other people what he has done in your life. Take time to remember what he has done. How he's answered your prayer. How he's seen you through. When he showed up. When maybe nobody else would. Remind others as well of our inclination to drift.